Why don't we open our Bibles to John chapter 16, and if you're physically able, would you stand with me as we read a portion of God's Word tonight? John chapter 16. Jesus, of course, is speaking, and he says, These things I have spoken to you, that you should not be made to stumble. They will put you out of the synagogues, yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God's service. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things I've told you that when the time comes you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going. But because I have said these things sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And he will come. And he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Father, as we take a few minutes tonight to get into your word, I thank you again for this precious church family. And I pray, Lord, that you would be our teacher, that you would instruct us and encourage us tonight. Lord, that we might see you so clearly that we might be your disciples. We love you, we praise you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. For a couple more weeks now, we're going to be doing a series called Being Discipled by Jesus. We have been for many weeks at this point. Well, we're looking at those passages of Scripture where Jesus pulled aside, not the multitudes, not the Pharisees, but those that wanted to be disciples. You see, I've always thought it'd be so cool to be discipled by Jesus. But the reality is, it's right here. It's right here for us to open up and discover the things that Jesus would say to us. And so we started looking at the things in the Sermon on the Mount, a sermon that was taught early in Jesus' ministry as he taught us how to be salt and light, to get on that narrow road and live it out, not just in some Christian commune, but what? In the culture and the community in which God has placed us. We then switched gears to the middle of Jesus' ministry and we looked, at, we looked at Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus narrowed down the many disciples at that point to the 12 apostles we think of when we say the word disciples. And he poured into them and gave them instructions as he sent them out. We saw in, in, in Matthew 16 as he took them on a little retreat up there to, to Caesarea Philippi and said to them, hey, who do men say that I am when Peter answered, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, hey, flesh and blood is not reveal that to you Peter but my father who is in heaven and Peter kind of getting big for his britches at that moment as Jesus started talking about death and dying he said what you remember not so Lord 
We're not going to go to the cross. And Jesus had to remind him what a disciple truly is. Someone that, well, it's, it, it costs you to be a disciple. You have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. Well, then a couple weeks ago, we switched gears to the very end of Jesus' ministry. Here in John chapter 13 through 17, we're, the, we're at the night before Jesus is crucified. The night he'll be betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this last night, Jesus knows it's his last night. He's sharing with his disciples just kingdom truths, things that they're going to need. In fact, we've been going through some secrets to life and ministry. The first one we saw in John 13, and that was that greatness is service. That as a disciple, and I hope that's where we're all at tonight, we want to be disciples. Guess what? In the world, greatness is pushing your will above other people. Greatness is making other people serve you, not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, it is about learning to be a servant like who? Like Jesus, who when he was with his disciples and they were thinking, who's the greatest? Who's, what did he do? He took off his robe, took a towel and began to wash their feet. So we learned by that example, greatness is service. Then also in chapter 13, we learned as a disciple, listen, it's super important how you finish. Because we have this example of Peter and Judas. Both of them denied the Lord. Both of them walked away from God for a time. So what makes one one of the most celebrated disciples of all time and one undisputed the most despised? Repentance. It's how they finished. Judas was sorrowful, but he did nothing to get back with God. Peter jumped in the boat, swam to shore. Do you love me? Yes, 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 he said. Oh, I, I, you know the story. And maybe you, maybe you, God's speaking to you, a disciple. Hey, there's been some rough things in your life, but the, the, the thing for you now is what the next season's gonna be like. What is it gonna be like? We learned a couple weeks ago from, from John 14 that, that, that really he shared with his disciples why he needed to go and that was cure for a troubled heart. He's leaving. He says, well, why are you going? He says, because I'm going to prepare a place for you in heaven. Jesus has gone to heaven to prepare a place for you where one day, not just Ray, but all of us, we're gonna be there in heaven. And as you go through the troubles of this life, and we all do, if you're not experiencing trials, I don't know, you're... you're eight years old I don't know what the deal is because the reality is we all go through trials and you have got to realize in that trial heaven heaven is coming God has gone to prepare a place for me well last week we looked at John 15 and we saw another thing we need to know as a disciple is it's so key for us to abide in him at this point in the sermon, the upper room discourse, it's called by smarter people than me here, John 13 through 17. In this point of the sermon, they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane. They would have walked by the temple. And there, it would have been a full moon being Passover. They would have seen the, 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 the vine just on the, on the side of the temple. And Jesus used that to teach a lesson. Hey, see that symbol of Israel? See that vine and the branches? Well, guys, you're gonna get kicked out of Judaism. But you're going to be okay as long as you do what? As you abide in me. Everything you need, everything you're going to accomplish comes from your relationship to me. But a great question in response to John 15 is how? How do I abide in Christ? How do I tap into the vine and the resources he has for me if I walk with God? Well, Jesus gets into that now as we move to chapter 16 as he teaches the next lesson in being discipled by Jesus, and that is, as a disciple, we need to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Now, as I've said in chapter 13, 14, and 15 now, 
I realize, I realize we could spend weeks going through each of these chapters. We could spend weeks tearing apart every sentence and nuance and I understand as a Bible teacher there's so much more we could get into. And I know some of you feel that way. In fact, Pastor Rob a couple weeks ago he said you were teaching I thought, oh, you missed this. Go back, go back, go back. There's so much there. I understand that. I know that. But here's my, my point in my heart for these nights. I don't want to examine everything the disciples would have gotten once they sat down and meditated over the words that Jesus spoke. But what they would have come away with that night, just as they heard him speak and, and, and heard him minister to their hurting hearts, what they would have grabbed onto as disciples. So as we get into chapter 16 tonight, I know much, much we could go into, but there's a few things I want to draw your attention to. If you look back in chapter 14, just as way of introduction, in chapter 14, the last verse of chapter 14, the disciples are really not getting it. Thomas doesn't know where Jesus is going. Philip wants to see the Father. Judas, not Iscariot, you know, doesn't understand how he's going to manifest himself to the world. The disciples weren't getting it. And if I were Jesus, I'd have been tempted to say, you guys aren't getting it. Thomas is like, I don't believe. And Philip's like, show me the Father. I'd be like, who are these guys that I poured into for three and a half years? I would be tempted to say, Father, I need a few more years before this cross thing and 12 new guys. That's what I need. Because these guys, these guys are, I don't understand a nice word to say about them. I mean, they just don't seem to be very smart. But Jesus didn't say that because he says in chapter 14, verse 26, but the helper... The helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to you, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Spirit, he will help you. Jesus understood he didn't need to start over. These disciples were going to be transformed, not by their own ability, but by living in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus understood that the secret of the Spirit And tapping into him and his power is key to being a disciple. How so? Well, if you're taking notes tonight, three things I want to kind of pull out of chapter 16. Three things I think the disciples would have walked away from as they listened to him speak, as they're walking, as he's saying these words to the Garden of Gethsemane. The first thing I think they would have taken away from what Jesus was saying about the Spirit is he tells them what the Spirit will do. He tells them the Spirit, number one, was going to convict the world of sin. In those verses we just read, one of the ministries, one of the primary ministries of the Holy Spirit is going to be to convict the world of sin. And that word convict, friends, it literally means to cross-examine with an intent to convince. The Holy Spirit is actively cross-examining people, trying to convince them of their need for Christ. And again, maybe you can remember this in your life. Some of you are like my wife. I've talked about this before. I mean, you've been saved since the womb. You came out of your mother's womb just saying, for God so loved the world that he gives only begotten son who's ever lived in his life everlasting life. Do you want to get saved, mom? Some of you did that, like my, my, like my wife did. Others of you, like myself, have a season of your life where you, you, you weren't walking with God. And you remember the conviction. Oh, I'm not right. I'm not right. And you could put on a strong face. I am. I don't need anybody. I'm a rock, I am an island. But when you were all alone, you realized you were not a rock. <laughs> you were not an island. There was something wrong, something was not right. And you may have tried to fill those, those voids with all types of things, but the Holy Spirit was convicting you. And I've, as I've said before, I think this gives us a tremendous advantage when we're witnessing. It's natural to be scared when you share your faith. 
But it's a great comfort to me to understand the Holy Spirit's already gone before you and the Holy Spirit's gonna continue to work after you. That person may pretend they're okay, their world is fine, but deep down inside, they know I'm not right. God has been working in their hearts and I will share with confidence, you know you're missing something. You know things aren't right in your life and I can share that, not because I'm a great communicator or I know the four spiritual laws, but because I understand the Spirit has been work in their hearts and lives already because this first ministry of the Spirit is to convict the whole world of sin. And the disciples took took comfort. Hey, the Spirit's gonna go before us and we can go out and minister because the Spirit is at work. The first ministry of the Spirit is to convict people of sin and to reject this ministry, listen, listen, to reject this ministry is unforgivable. That's why I believe the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit What's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? What is it? I, I, I don't believe it's to not, you know, to take the Lord's name in vain. Not that's a good thing to do, but I don't believe that's it. I don't believe it's to make fun of God as an unbeliever. I don't think it's to be a Raider fan as the unforgivable sin. Carson Palmer, new quarterback of the Raiders. You Charger fans are in trouble. Can I get a witness, Ernie? Where's Ernie at? He in the back, so, eh, he's not in the back. Anyways, some of you are hearing that and thinking, I think that is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Can you say those kind of things in San Diego? Listen, it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not the unforgivable sin. You may never come back to a study of mine, but it is not the unforgivable sin. No, to reject the first work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, to reject his witness of Jesus Christ, that's unforgivable because think it through. If you reject that, reject the forgiveness he has for you, there can be no forgiveness for anything else. But in receiving that ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life, there is no sin the blood of Jesus cannot cover. Nothing. I also believe it's very important the statement Jesus makes in John 16, 8, 9, where he says when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Then he clarifies, he says, of sin, notice, because they do not believe in me. The sin that the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of is because they don't believe who Jesus is, the reality of Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And I mention that to you because, you know, so often we wonder, what's wrong with certain cults out there today? What's wrong with them? I mean, they use the name of Jesus, they talk about his death on the cross, and what's wrong with them? Well, when you really get down to who they say Jesus really is, their teachings of who he is, their belief system, it's way different from the Bible. And you've got to see that. You see, I understand that some of the cults, they have great family lives. Family lives that we should probably really emulate. And the importance of family dinner and family night, those are great things. Those are not weird. Those are good things to have in your family, in your life. Some of them have more zeal to share their faith than some of us will ever have. And that's convicting. And on occasion, I have even been tempted to think when I was younger, maybe maybe they're saved. I mean, they're mistaken. Obviously, you know, their their theology is, is, is off, but so is Dave Peister. His theology is off and we still love, just kidding. No, I love Dave. That's not true. But the reality is we can look and say, hey, hey, you know, I mean, maybe their theology's off, but what's the big deal? I think they're saved. Listen, friends, we've got to hear what Jesus is saying. That there's a huge difference between someone who has a slight theological difference with you and someone who doesn't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus says they're in their sin 
Or in other words, they're in their sin and not saved because they do not believe in me. This is important to note when it comes to who is saved and sadly, who is not. What do they believe about Jesus? What will the Holy Spirit do? Well, Jesus is telling them, number one, he'll convict the world of sin. Secondly, he tells them he will lead them into all truth. Look back at verse 12 there in chapter 16. In verse 12, he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take note of mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine, therefore I said, he will take of mine and declare them to you. For three and a half years, Jesus had been their teacher. There you're at, Dave. I was trying to make fun of you when you're there and you move. But anyways, I love you, brother. Three and a half years, Jesus had been their teacher and they had some questions and they would come to him and, and they'd open up the scriptures and he'd speak to them and now, now he's going away. And you can understand what they're thinking. Who's gonna teach us? Who's gonna minister to us? Who's gonna mature us and disciple us? And Jesus actually said, friends, again, we read our Bibles with our lattes and well, that was good. Think through what Jesus said. He said, it's good that I go away. It's good for you. Imagine the disciples sitting around the table that night. He he just said Judas is going to betray him. And he leaves in a huff to betray him. Peter's going to deny him. And now he says, I'm going to die and go away. And that's good for you. It'd be natural to say, how so? How in the world is that a good time for our Lord and Master to be going away? But Jesus shares with them why. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. The word orphan, by the way, means fatherless. And I I think that is so cool when you consider the Trinity and the teachings of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to send you the, 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 the Holy Spirit so you will not be fatherless. But the Holy Spirit is to come. He will open up all truth to you. The Holy Spirit will open up God's truth and show you and me how it applies to your lives. Jesus told us to the disciples that this is what the Spirit would do. And I think we need to hear that, not just the disciples. Because sometimes, and and I I don't get that too much here because you guys are well taught and mature, but you know, in in the church in Paris, sometimes people, you know, I just wish, I wish Pastor Jason could sit with me while I read the Bible. That I could just ask you questions then I could really understand the Bible. Or if Pastor Rob was just with me while I did my devotions, I could read and like, what does this mean, Pastor Rob? And he could share with me. Oh, I could really understand the scriptures. Friends, would you get this into your heart and minds? You have so much better, a million, billion, zillion times better than Pastor Jason or Pastor Rob living inside your heart. You have the very spirit of God. And what does that mean? Well, maybe it's not just when you're reading the scripture, maybe when you hear the scripture being taught. Maybe like tonight, you're like, I'm not getting anything out of the study tonight. If I had a real pastor to explain the word to me, then I'd be fine. When is, when is Pastor Rob going to start doing Wednesday nights again? Again, you've got so much better than a good pastor available to you. You have the Holy Spirit. One of our overriding problems, we forget the vital resource we have in the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to pray. To pray when you're reading, Lord, open up this book to me and show me Jesus. As I'm teaching, as Pastor Rob is teaching, Lord, speak to me. Reveal your truth to me. And you know what happens when you do? He's going to lead you into all truth. I I, I don't know how many times I've I've been reading the quote-unquote boring parts of Scripture. Oh, they're in there. Let's be honest. I mean, earlier in the year, if you're doing the one-year Bible, you're in Exodus. And you're reading about the 
building of the temple. And this year, I remember just, you know, because I've been through it a few times, I know what's coming. <laughs> that for chapters, for, chap- for days, you're going to read about 18 cubits here and three cubits here and overlay it with gopher wood and acacia wood. And, and then if that wasn't enough, after you're done, then they build it. And the same thing repeats for chapters again. And I just remember open going, oh. <laughs> Lord, I know, your, I know your word. 2 Timothy 3.16, all of it's profitable. All of it. When Paul wrote that, he wasn't talking about the New Testament. I mean, he was, but he was talking about the cubits in the Old Testament. So it's profitable. Help me. <laughs> what? What? And I remember as I was reading, I, I remember the Lord was saying, look at the details in the scriptures. I'm a detail God. Now that might be so moving to you, but you gotta understand, right then, right then in my season of life, something the enemy was whispering to me was God doesn't care about the details in your life. He's just the overall big stuff. He's too busy. He's got six billion people to look after. So, you know, big major things, who you marry, you know, where you die, that's all, that's big stuff for God. But, you know, little stuff, he doesn't care. And I'm starting to kind of buy into that. Maybe, maybe, and then I read that, I hear, no, no, no. I'm a detailed God. Oh, man, Exodus 30 became John 16. It was awesome. Because why? The Holy Spirit was bringing insight for me. It comes when you're reading. It comes when you're teaching. I've heard so many sermons, and I think, what is he saying? Not here. Don't start the rumors. (laughs) Pastor Rob, Jason said he sits and listens to you and thinks, what does he say? That's not what I said. I've heard many, many, many sermons outside of these walls. Great example. Last month I was down in Costa Rica with the McKays. What are you saying about Phil? That he teaches in Spanish. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Phil's a great guy. He teaches completely in Spanish. And those of you that know me know I don't speak a lick of Spanish. Some people say to me, "Do, do you speak Spanish? And I'll say, oh, piquito. That is a paquito lie. That is. Just because I worked at Carl's Jr. as a teenager and I had to learn the difference between Papas Grande and Papas Paquito does not mean I speak Spanish. Some of the brothers in here, they try me. I just get all nervous. They're like, como estas? I don't know. I don't know. Gracias. See, I don't know any Spanish. So all of Phil's services are in Spanish. And I'm, I'm there for two of them. I got so blessed. How? <laughs> well, I knew he was in the book of Revelation. One, because he told me, and he kept saying the word, Apocalypso. <laughs> and in the Spanish Bible I had borrowed, I, that's what the last name of the last book of the Bible was. I knew he was in Revelation, and I figured he was in chapter 18 because he kept saying the word, Babylonia, Babylonia. I think that's Babylon. Again, Paquito, but I think that's Babylon. So I just started reading Revelation 18 and God was ministering so many cool things to me for two services. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is alive. No matter what passage you're reading or who is teaching, the Holy Spirit is alive. 
and he loves you and wants to minister to you. And we've got to remember that. He's alive in our hearts. You can say, well, if I only went to Bible college and I can understand the Bible. Listen, I thank God for, for Greek scholars who know how to break down original languages. I, I steal from them all the time. But as a Calvary Chapel pastor, I must, I must confess, I have learned more from men who didn't graduate high school yet who are filled with the Holy Spirit, expounding the word for all of my life, it has been life to me. Changing insight because it doesn't come from them, it comes from the illumination of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit who's alive and well in you tonight if you know Christ. He wants to lead you into truth. He wants to use you to lead other people into truth no matter what your education or experience level is because it's the Spirit. It's not about you. And what comfort that would have been to the disciples. He's convicting people. I don't have to worry about how to evangelize. I just give them the truth. You need Jesus. No, I don't. And in their heart, they're like, yes, I do, yes, I do, yes, I do. Count on that, friends. I can teach the word, but I'm not a really good communicator. That's okay, join the club. The Holy Spirit will lead people into truth. It empowers us for life and ministry. In fact, that's our third one. What does the Holy Spirit do? Why is it important as a disciple? He'll convict the world of sin. He'll lead us into all truth. And thirdly and finally tonight, he will empower us for life and ministry. Look at verse 14. Verse 16. We already read 14, 15. Verse 16. He says, A little while... And you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. Then some of the disciples said among themselves, what is that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while because you will see me because I go to the Father. They said therefore, what is that that he says? A little while. We do not know what he is saying. (laughs) They're very confused a lot. Verse 19, now Jesus knew that they desired to ask and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while. That'd That'd trip you out. You're like, I wonder what he means. He's like, do you wonder what I mean? Yes, anyways, verse 19. Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Most surely I say to you, you will weep and lament and the world will reject and you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman when she's in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as the child is given birth, she's given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish. Sort of. For the joy of the human being has been born in the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again and your heart will rejoice and your joy no one will take from you. And that day you will ask me nothing. Most surely I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive and that your joy may be full. The Holy Spirit does not just convict us of sin and lead us into all truth. He also empowers us for life and ministry. Now, how does that work? Well, as I've shared many times, it happens as we ask, as we pray. Lord, fill me with your spirit. We'll look at this more in our final being discipled by Jesus. We look at his very, very, very last words. Acts chapter one, verse eight. He's ascending. He gives an exhortation about tearing in Jerusalem, being filled with the spirit. But, but basically, the reality is, We need to pray daily. God, fill me with your spirit. I know he takes up residence in your heart the minute you're saved, but you need to operate in the power of the spirit, not in the power of the flesh. If you haven't learned that, that you've got to get it. And so I, and you should too, pray daily. God, I'm so dumb, I will mess this whole thing up every time. So empty me of my flesh, of my own stuff, and fill me with your spirit. You see, what I'm praying, and as Jesus says here, I'm praying, you know, in his name, and the authority of his name, 
ministry is going to happen in and through my life. You see, to pray in the name of Jesus means to pray in the authority and conformity of Jesus. What do I mean? I need to pray, we need to pray in the authority of Jesus. You see, my name, your name means nothing. We don't come to the Father saying, I logged 12 hours this week. Now you owe me some power for ministry. Oh, you know, I got to share my faith. Now here's what I need, a new car. It's not your name, it's his name. It's because of his name. I don't get to do this much anymore, but whenever I get the chance, I do. I I love to go to Jeremy Camp concerts. One, I like the music. Great guy, great musician, great songwriter. But there's more than that. Those of you that know the backstory, he and I are good friends. We went to Bible college together. We served the Lord here together for a time. We lived in the same house together for a while. And, and so there's, there's more than just an appreciation. There's a relationship there. So when he is in a certain city and I happen to be there, I, I go to the show and I, and I knock on the tour bus door. And the tour bus door opens and there's this giant guy there. That's not him. He's a giant guy too. But another guy who's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I forget. <laughs> you scare me. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Hey, uh, Jeremy and I are going out to dinner. Let me in the bus. And it looks always the same. Pfft, whatever. Get out of here. You know, I will break you with my little pinky. <laughs> and then Jeremy sticks his head around. He's like, hey, Jason, good to see you. Big dude's face instantly changed. Hi, come on in the bus. <laughs> You're not going to eat me anymore? No, no. Why all of a sudden do I have access? Because of the name of Jason Duff. No, that in $6 buys me a hamburger. That's it. It's because of the authority of Jeremy Camp. Because he says, I know him, let him on. It's because of that access. And friends, translate that to our prayer life. Some of you are just fighting this losing battle because you're thinking, I've got to work my way into God's presence. I've got to work my way into his, into his grace. I've got to work my way into his acceptance. And so you're just toiling and sweating and thinking someday I'm going to make God proud of me. Well, his word says that your righteousness is a filthy rag. And that, we don't even need to get into it tonight. That's not a good thing. Believe me. That's, you're not earning your way into his presence. But I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, your son died for me. We're bros. Authority because of the name of Jesus, but not just authority. Listen, I pray also in the conformity of his name. The conformity of his name. You see, sometimes we ask things that's just not in the nature of Jesus. If you're praying, Lord, help that other boy to break his leg so my son can start on the team, that's probably not going to be an answer prayer request. I would never pray that. You haven't been to Texas. Anyways, the reality is, is that that's not in the nature of Jesus. If you're praying, I need a million dollars, maybe the Lord doesn't want you to have a million dollars. I'm playing that McDonald's game because I need a million dollars. <laughs> See where my life is. But anyways, <laughs> maybe the Lord doesn't want you to have a million dollars. How? Because he knows you would stop depending on him. I wouldn't, I promise. God knows. You see, sometimes we're just not asking things in his name, in his nature. 
But when those two things come together, when I pray in the authority of Jesus, in the conformity of his name, well, the Lord's gonna work every time because there's power in life and ministry through the Holy Spirit as I pray to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, he has not left us orphans. He's given us his Spirit who has come to convict the world of sin If you are not saved tonight, would you give in to that temptation and stop fighting the Lord? Stop fighting. Give in. For most of us that are saved, would you understand that and share your faith with confidence? The Holy Spirit's gone before you, disciple. He's come to lead you into all truth. When you don't understand something you're reading, pray. God, speak to me. Teach me. When I'm teaching, Pastor Rob's teaching and you're crying out, Lord, help me. I would grow if I had good teaching pastors. Pray. Pray, God, speak to me. Minister to me. The Holy Spirit's come to empower you for life and ministry so you come to him. God, I want to see this happen. I'm crying out in your authority, praying according to your desire and watch God work in your life watch him work how can you how can you say that with such confidence because he loves you he loves you how can I say that with absolute confidence because he died for you as Paul tells us in Romans he demonstrated his love for you and me He laid it out there for you and me when he went to a cross for us and said, I love you this much. I love you enough to have my back ripped open and and a crown of thorns ripped into my head and to actually become sin for you. I love you that much. How can we not think he wants to bless you in things that actually will bless you? He wants to use you in in ways that is gonna benefit the body of Christ. You've gotta believe it. You've gotta cling to him and believe it. Because he demonstrated that love for you on the cross. And so we're going to take the rest of our time tonight. Communion elements are available. The worship team is going to come back up. And we're going to take some time to worship and remember who it is we're talking about tonight. Who it is that dwells inside you. Someone that loves you. And wants the best for you. And wants to use you. And wants you to cry out to him. And draw near to him. Cry out to him when you don't understand what to do. To cry out to him when you need power over sin. And power to share with that lost relative or son or daughter that's gone astray. Jesus has not left you an orphan. He has sent to us the Holy Spirit. So let's not live like paupers. Like orphans who don't understand. Tonight, right now tonight. Would you remember anew and afresh? He loves me. He does. He loves me. I see it because he died on the cross. And then, Lord, because I know that, I just want to come to you and cling to you. Father, I thank you so much for this precious group of friends. Lord, what a great privilege it is for me to be able to open up the word Wednesday after Wednesday and just expound these truths to these friends. Lord, I pray, though, that we wouldn't be here for just another Bible study. We wouldn't be here to just do the religious thing. That, God, we wouldn't just be hearers of your word. We'd be doers of your word.
And as these disciples were walking to the Garden of Gethsemane and they heard you share with them, don't be discouraged. I'm not gonna leave you orphans. I'm gonna send you my spirit and he'll go before you for all these things you need in your life. God, that was not just a word to them, it's a word to us tonight. So I pray as we come to the table of communion, we remember how much you love us. We remember how much you've done for us. And then, Father, we learn these lessons of John 16. And we would be filled anew and afresh with your spirit tonight. Lord, first, I want to pray for those in this room that maybe don't know you as as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they've been brought by a friend or wandered in here and just... They feel this is distance from you right now. And, and I know, I know, I know that the Holy Spirit, your spirit is speaking to them right now saying you need to get right with God. You may have denied it, friend, to everybody around you, but you know in the depth of your heart you need something. I'm here to tell you what you need is Jesus. You need him and a relationship with him. And Romans 10, 9 says that relationship can start tonight. If you believe and then confess with your mouth, Lord, I need you. I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. And If you want to pray that right now, right now, cry out right where you sit, Lord, I believe in you. Lord, I want you to be my Savior. I want you to deal with the sin in my heart and in my life. I want to give my life to you. And I pray for the rest of us who do know you and love you that tonight that we would begin to walk anew and afresh in the power of your spirit. We saw last week our great need to abide. I believe how that works out practically is we abide in the power of your spirit. So Lord, tonight as we worship, tonight as we take communion, would you just flood this place with your presence? That we might cry out anew and afresh, Lord, fill me. Give me power over sin. Give me power to be a good husband. Give me power to be a good wife. Give me power to be a good single man or single gal. Lord, help me to be effective at my job. Lord, I need your spirit. God, may you do kingdom things in our hearts and lives tonight as we worship you, as we partake of communion. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord together. And if you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. If you want to find a corner and just... Take the communion elements and spend time with the Lord. That's great too. Let's just take a few minutes. We'll end on time, I promise. Let's take a few minutes just to cry out to the Lord. Again, communion elements are available. If you can't see them up here, they are, I promise. (laughs) So when you're ready, come and partake. Let's worship the Lord together.